and thank you, John. Uh, that was very special. Um, so that was, uh, it just kind of, this is the, key, the gift that keeps on giving. That was the final, actually, uh, tribute to um, the encouraging word thing. The, uh, John sent to me, of course, a passage of scripture, but he, uh, he kind of one-upped everybody else by, singing, by sending me a couple songs that he listened to kind of on repeat. And this was one of those songs uh, what John didn't realize was then I would turn around and ask him to actually sing it in the service. Uh, but I'm so glad that he did, uh, that they did. Um, I admit, I actually listened to the song like 25 times probably. Uh, it's this beautiful, uh, wonderful song, um, a remake of a, of a classic, Rock of Ages. Um, I'm sure you can find it uh, on the YouTube if you look for it. Let's begin with a word of prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we come to your presence, and Lord, we come um, with uh, different things in our hands, uh, needful uh, of different uh, words from you and affirmations from you. Um, but God, this morning, um, we come especially with, with words on our lips, and and. Specifically, Lord, we, we come with the word thank you. Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. Even in the hardest of times, we still have so much to be thankful for. And uh, so this morning, as uh, we uh, come into your presence, we just ask that you give us a gratitude that fills not only our lips and isn't just something that resonates in our head, but God, that flows directly out of our heart and is even in itself a gift from you. I pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. This morning, I want to start with a story. It's a story that I heard this week. It's a true story. And um, it's uh, about a guy named Tony and uh, he told the story himself. I'm going to tell his story. He, he's gonna, he told it a lot better than I will right here. Uh, Tony Cyprian uh, served 26 years in prison. And um, I have no clue what he did to get into prison. He didn't say uh, this, but he, he served his time. And then he tells the story of his final uh, evening and, uh, and then the day he's released. And it was a powerful story for me, uh, and it resonated on all levels for me about what uh, true uh, gratitude uh, looks like and thanksgiving. He says uh, that the night before he left prison, he gathered all of his belongings up, his radio, his self-help books, and a few other things, and he began to pass them out to his friends, who at this point could use them more than he could. He slept ready roll, which means he fell asleep, fully dressed, waiting for the moment to be called, and he'd say, see ya, I'm out of here. <laughs> the night before he left, he got himself ready, and then at 5.30 a.m., the guard calls out, Cyprian, D-37, 87-5, report to R&R. &R. 
and he walked down the corridor for the very last time, and he went to R&R, which means receiving and release. And of course, he was being released. There were six or seven other guys there with him, and they were all getting fingerprinted and taking mug shots one last time. And the guards loaded them into the van, drove them through a series of gates, and dropped them off at a tower. Each man was given an envelope with $200 in it, better known as gate money. The guards loaded them back in the van, and they headed through the one final gate until they reached their destination, which was simply the visitor's parking lot. The guard asks, who has a ride? And Tony is the only one. The others then must spend their gate money on a bus heading somewhere. Home, maybe, who knows. But Tony says, I was the lucky one. My wife was waiting there with her camera, snapping pictures like she was part of the paparazzi. I walked briskly toward her, gave her a quick kiss, and whispered in her ear, let's get out of here before they say we made a mistake. On his way home, Tony saw a 7-Eleven. He said, let's stop there. I want to get something. I've got $200 in my pocket. I'm ready to use it. And in 7-Eleven, he picked up a pack of Big Red chewing gum. He hadn't had Big Red chewing gum in 26 years. Big Red was his favorite. They get back in the car and they keep driving until he saw a Target. And he said, hey babe, that's Target. I saw that on a television. Pull over and let's go in there. And so they did. And the first thing he noticed was the size of the shopping basket. The shopping basket was bigger than the space he had to store all of his belongings and personal property while in prison. And so he spent all of his gate money on personal needs that fit into that basket. Back in the car, his wife asked, what do you want for dinner? For 26 years, no one had ever asked him that question. He didn't know. He had no answer. The question was too overwhelming. And so his wife said, I know. And they next stopped at the grocery store, a large supermarket with endless choices. And he once again was overwhelmed. He didn't make it past the produce section where he simply got stuck looking at oranges. He couldn't believe his eyes. Ten years earlier in prison, they stopped giving out oranges because someone had learned how to make wine with them. <laughs> in the supermarket, there were so many different kinds of oranges. As he says, there were smooth oranges and bumpy oranges and navel oranges. And for the first time in his life, he saw a blood orange. <clears throat> they get their food, and they head to the checkout when he sees 12 checkout lines with someone at the end of each one waiting to help out. In prison, there was one window with 300 guys trying to get their belongings in and out of the one window. Wow is all he can say. He says, wow, over and over again throughout his story. Wow. 
Next, they get back in the car and they head home. In the neighborhood, she begins to point out, and she says, that's Mike's house, and that's, that's the brewer's home over there, and this, this is our home. We live at the edge of the forest. The only response he's capable of in this moment, he's stunned. He simply says, cool. <laughs> he didn't even know, really, that, uh, what his home looked like. And so he gets the grand tour of the home, and she makes him dinner, and she puts a glass of wine in front of his plate, and all he can think in this moment is, this is the first meal in my entire life that I've ever eaten with a glass of wine. I feel so grown up. <laughs> After the meal, Tony's wife asks him, do you want to get further acclimated to living here? Yes, he says. Then take out the trash. <laughs> and he, he walks to the front door. He opens it. And there, standing in front of him, eight feet away from him, is a buck. And he can't believe it. His, his, uh, he calls out to his wife, and he says, Honey, honey, someone's here to see you. And she walks up to the front door, and she looks at the buck, and she just simply grabs the trash bag from Tony, walks right past that buck, and throws the trash can where it needs to go as if it weren't even there. She walks back, and the buck is still standing there, as majestic as he can be, and the wife says again, you don't need to be surprised by him. He's just one neighbor coming to welcome you to the neighborhood. Cool, again, he says. Wow. And then he says, and this is how he concludes his story, the fellas aren't going to believe this when I tell them all of this. I met my first deer. I met my first blood orange. I had some big red. I had my first glass of wine while with, uh, with a meal. Wow, this is the first day of my new life. What's tomorrow going to bring me? As I heard him tell this story, uh, I thought, my word, this story is filled with wonder and awe, and at the simplest of things, right, at Target, at, uh, at a, checking, uh, a checkout center, right, at, at Big Red Chewing Gum, but he can see something in this that uh, my guess is you and I both, and his wife, and, and maybe probably eventually him, will take for granted. And yet, for him, it is this, this first experience, and his eyes are, are, are alight, and he's filled with wonder, awe, and most certainly, thanksgiving, gratitude. His heart has to be swelling in this moment. Now, it's likely that at some point... Tony began to become accustomed to his new life. I don't doubt this at all. You and I certainly become accustomed to the lives we live, right? It's just the way life works. But he told the story on stage, and he was clearly trying to relive what he felt that day. 
to relive the joy that he was feeling, the sense of sheer bliss. Again, uh, the gratitude and, and thankfulness of being part of this new life and experiencing things that you and I experience daily. When uh, Kendall fell, about uh, close to two years now, year and a half, uh, I remember sitting in the hospital with her. And she hit her head, and she couldn't remember uh, a lot of things. And so I got my phone out, and I started to show her pictures and, and make sure she remembered our kids, for example, which she did. Uh, but she didn't remember certain things about them, like that Ezra had just had a birthday, and he was shaving for the very first time. And then I'm, I'm flipping through the pictures, and, uh, and we, uh, we had a patio uh, put in about that time, and it's, it was beautiful, is beautiful. Uh, and, and so I'm flipping through, and the patio comes up, and she says, oh my goodness, that's beautiful. And I say, it is, yeah. She, and then she says, whose house is that? And I say, that's our house. And she says, no. And I say, yes. And then 30 seconds later, she sees the photo again. She says, that is beautiful. And I say, yes, it is. And then she says, whose house is that? And I say, that's our house. And she says, no. I say yes. That went on for a long time. The point is this. She had a gratitude and a thankfulness in that moment, and her memories did return, and all came back together, but she, she felt the overwhelming sense of, oh my goodness, the wonder and the awe that you heard in Tony's story, right? And that you've certainly experienced at some point in your own lives, but that over time has a tendency to just kind of die down a little bit. This week is, of course, Thanksgiving, and I personally have grown to love this holiday, mostly because I've grown to see tremendous value in being the kind of person who is a grateful person. Thanksgiving is an opportunity and a reminder that we too should be like Tony on that first day out of prison that our hearts should swell with wonderment, even with love, at the many good things that are in our lives. Uh, here's a test. This test comes to you from the first century BC, a guy named Cicero, or as he probably pronounced his name back then, Cicero, but nobody says it like that. Uh, Cicero uh, talked a lot about gratitude, and he said, uh, here are five signs that you might lack gratitude in your life. I'm just going to offer these up uh, and uh, see how well you do. He says the following. Number one, you don't thank people or repay favors. Number two, you take your country for granted. Number three, you've forgotten about the chain of events, including kind acts and good events, that have led you to the present, whether these things be your own parents, your education, where and when you're born, your friends, 
the various opportunities of life. Number four, you take friendships for granted. Number five, you don't thank God for your blessings. How'd you do? (laughs) A little convicting, maybe, right? It's easy to take a lot of those things for granted. Our family and our friends, certainly the good gifts of God, even our country. You and I both live, all live, I guess, uh, in Northern Virginia, and I promise you, you have a lot. If you've been to other parts of the world or even other parts of our country, you'll notice that not all places have quite as much as Northern Virginia has. And for that, you have much to be thankful for. But frankly, even if we didn't live here, let us be reminded this week that life itself is precious. And no matter where you live, or what house you live in, or what job you have, or what opportunities you were given or not given in life, if you're simply drawing a breath, you have something to give thanks for. But the key question is this, to whom are we thankful? To whom do we give thanks? Of course, to our parents and our family, yes, please, thank those people. To your friends, most certainly you should thank them. To your church, I hope, for, I hope you are thankful for the things that South Run Baptist Church offers you and the church worldwide and through history has offered you. The teachers, the doctors, the professionals who intersect with our lives on a daily basis, we should give thanks to them as well. Even our government, however dysfunctional you might think it is, we live in a great country that has offered us many opportunities by the sheer fact that we have a a functioning government. But gratitude in its purest sense transcends, I think, even all these things. It becomes a posture, a way of being. And we still must ask the question one more time, grateful to whom? We give thanks to whom? There's a famous quote that I love. It's funny. It's a little zing at the atheist. (laughs) The worst moment for the atheist is when he is really thankful and has nobody to thank. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Our scripture reading today reminds us where to direct our gratitude in its most ultimate sense, doesn't it? It reminds us who to thank. And so let's read it again together. Psalm 136 begins this way. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And it repeats over and over again, as we already read, his love endures forever, right? And then it says one more time, give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. And why? Why in the world would we give thanks to God? Well, the psalmist goes about answering that question as well. To him who alone 
does great wonders. Great wonders. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe right now you're thinking, I haven't seen great wonders. But you have. <laughs> you have. I, I promise you, you have. You just might need the eyes of Tony to recognize that you've seen some great wonders, right? The psalmist is going to go about telling you exactly what kind of great wonders you've seen. You just might have gotten so used to them that you take them for granted. And you don't recognize them as wonders in your own life. And so he goes on in verse 5 and he says, who by his understanding made the heavens. When you go outside, you see the wonders of God. The world itself is a wonder, right? It is a wonder that you and I are in it, living, breathing, and have this opportunity to give thanks, to love one another, to do good, or to do evil. But we get that chance. And when we walk outside and we see what God has done, the appropriate response is give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. In verse 6, he goes on. This same God spread out the earth upon the waters. In verse 7, he made the great lights, which are explained in verse 8, the sun, to govern the day, the other great light being the moon, and the stars to govern the the night. All of this should remind you of what? Genesis chapter 1, right? And the creation story that we find there. And so the psalmist is saying, God alone does great wonders. And if you're asking yourself this morning, well, I haven't seen some of those great wonders, then the psalmist says, if you've seen creation, then you've seen the great wonders of God. Let us not forget that. And he goes on, and, and I skip a bunch of stuff in there. In verse 23, he says, He remembered us in our lowest state. This is also the sort of God we serve. The one who finds us in this place of darkness, or of sin, or of tragedy. And what does he do? He frees us. He frees us from our, our enemies. And our enemies are just about anything. Again, whether it's that darkness, whether it's the enemy of sin, whether it's Satan himself, God frees us from these enemies. His love endures forever. And he gives food to every creature, right? Whether the smooth oranges or the bumpy oranges, or the navel oranges, or the blood oranges. He gives food, right? And this week, we celebrate Thanksgiving, and as we eat that food on the table on Thursday, we are reminded of the many gifts of God. We live in a day and age of supermarkets, and it's a great thing. I'm very happy to live in this day and age where I can walk into Giant, buy what I need, and walk out. Or better yet, order from Cracker Barrel and have them send me my Thanksgiving. Uh, but it wasn't always this way. 
It doesn't take, but you know, uh, rewind the clock, maybe like a hundred years. And the idea of having food on your table every Thanksgiving, you just weren't always quite sure. And you most certainly didn't walk into a, a Walmart and, and pick out exactly what you wanted. And being dependent upon the land and upon the creation, well, that reminded those folks, and it should remind us, of just how much we should be thankful for the bounty that God gives us on a daily basis. And so the psalmist concludes his psalm here in verse 26. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. And so I want to end where we started, which is with Tony. Tony, after 26 years of prison, was able to see something that most of us cannot because of what we take to be simply normal, what we take for granted. Today and this week, I charge you, try to have the eyes of Tony, if just for a day, just for a week. Look again at the abundance of your own life. Let your hearts swell with wonder and with awe, and most importantly, let us direct our thanks at the giver of all good gifts, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We thank you. Let us pray together. God, the fact that you are the giver of these gifts can often be hidden. Sometimes we feel we're the givers, or sometimes we feel we deserve them, or sometimes we don't even recognize them as gifts. But God, on this day, open our eyes to the abundance that we have, to the blessings that you've given us. Let our hearts swell one more time at the wonder and the awe of the life that we get to live, that we are blessed to live. And I pray, Lord, that in this moment, that our gratitude be directed at you, the ultimate giver of all things. We thank you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.